Hello. Hello. Ah, so, pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, I'm Giles Peterson with Young Marco. Now, I do a, a series, um, I did a series last year, um, which was, support, which was uh, a little partnership I did with uh, WeTransfer and continue to do stuff with WeTransfer in which, um, through the radio platform, Worldwide FM, I've been interviewing people that I really admire, DJs that I really admire, and I've wanted to get to the core of what it is that gets you through the night most of the time. Because I've been DJing for 30 years, and DJing cultures changed a lot in that time. I started off as a DJ just sort of for fun, and because I like music, and there was no sort of glory to it really, apart from being that guy that didn't need to talk to people in the party. <laughs> I could just watch and play and enjoy it. And uh, as DJing kind of grew and Acid House happened, and DJing became a, a business, a global kind of network, um, I was sort of more and more fascinated by how other DJs tick because I found it quite difficult um, to kind of deal with like suddenly being the star or suddenly being the sort of main act. And um, so, I, I, in a way, as a form of therapy, I've wanted to ask other DJs about how they get through the sort of ups and downs of the DJ thing. So, um, last year I interviewed a bunch of people from Black Madonna to Cassie. Um, to Seth Troxler, and I got a lot of insights. It was kind of weird, actually, for me, because um, as much as it was therapeutic, it was also bringing me back into the kind of uh, bits where I get a bit freaked out. So sometimes when you're DJing, you don't really want to think, you just want to have fun and do your art. But sometimes, um, you know, you do go through moments. So it's, it's quite helpful to find out how other DJs get through it. So I've asked young Marco to come through because I'm a massive fan. Um, and, and, and you're also, funnily enough, you're going through something at the moment which I probably, which I went through, which <coughs> is having children in your early 30s and still being a DJ and still having to go out and do all that stuff and cope with like the music and being an artist and also having a fa being a family man. So I'll give you some tips later on. Oh yeah, please. I'll try not to freak you out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, welcome Marco. Um, oh, by, by the way, also, normally when I do these things, I do them in my basement to nobody. It's just the two of us. So okay. let's just imagine Pretend this is your basement. This is my basement, and we're all together. But um, yeah, first of all, I, just tell me a little bit about how, you know, what, what it was for you that got you into music, and when you realized that this might well be your career. Um, I mean, somehow I've always been kind of into music. I was, uh, I was always music playing in my house, which is what everybody says, but then later on, I. <clears throat> my mom listened to Prince, and then I started playing in punk bands. So your mom was into Prince? Yeah, okay. massively. Right. Which I later started appreciating. Yeah, yeah. After. You went into it at first, or did you...? Of course. Was... Yeah. But, well, now I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's weird, because uh, in a way, with kids, you know, my kids, when you're growing up and you're in music, in a way, you don't want to be into what your parents are into. Of course not. No. So if your parents are into really good music, that's a problem, because your kids are going to be into really bad shit, right? <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, so... Fingers crossed. You, did you, you fought a little bit against it, but then eventually you realised she had good taste. She has great taste, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mum. But uh, now, yeah, I started playing in punk bands, and then uh, simultaneously it was also... Um, bit geeky because I, uh, I was making video games and stuff and I was like 11 or something uh, and I uh, sold floppies on the, in the school yard of grade school. Uh, I had my own game company with the ominous name of uh, Pyramid Enterprises. 
Wow. And uh, I, I would also make music to that and stuff, and uh, it would be like a, a little drug dealer selling floppies on the, on the, on the schoolyard. And then later I got into like trackers and stuff, and then uh, like uh, somehow like programming that stuff got you into Warp Records for some reason always, because it made you feel really smart if you listen to yeah. really Warp Records. All right, the record label. <coughs> yeah. Right. Um, and then I started getting kind of into like uh, the internet happened and stuff. Uh, and then I got into like, making websites, and it led to making, uh, doing graphic design. And I had a design agency, if you will, for, uh, for quite a while, actually. And then um, started making record sleeves. And at some point, I started doing all the record sleeves for Rush Hour. Did that for, like, so at this stage, you weren't even thinking of being a DJ? I was, it was kind of like... Uh, I started out DJing already, but was, wasn't really serious. And then right. I got... Were you young Marco then? Were they calling you young Marco? Or was it, was, did that come because you were a young guy in the music? Uh, well, I once was young, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the, I used to uh, DJ with another guy called Orfeo, who is now named Orfeo the Wizard, who does red light radio. Um, so we started out together, and we did uh, radio also, yeah. for like every Thursday for like three years. Um, and then through doing graphic design at Rush Hour, all the sleeves, I b became more involved with the label and did, uh, yeah, became uh, one of the A&Rs, helped out with the label pretty oh. much. And, uh, and that slowly made me realize I could maybe be involved in music for a living, and then kind of DJing kind of kicked off. I mean, just I before you say about that, what interests me was we were outside. You were, you were saying, the, "Oh, it's gone." Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there was a logo there, right? That was one of the sponsors or something or partners of this, and you actually designed the logo. Yeah, it was me, me and uh, Niels Millman <laughs> did uh, this Talpa logo, which has now disappeared. But uh, so you were doing serious stuff. Well, we did like big stuff and, and small stuff, but uh, uh, yeah, then like the whole economic crisis came, it stopped being fun, and then uh, uh, music was but music was always was never going to stop being fun, I suppose. No, but the whole graphic design, I'd done everything, you know, I designed uh, logos for big companies and skateboards and flyers and T-shirts and stuff, and then I was like, okay, like uh, music was kind of like more open where I could. Uh, not have deadlines or clients, which changes if you do music for a long time, because yeah. then you have deadlines all of a sudden again. But I mean, it's been an amazing sort of few years you've had, and I was just writing down some of the projects you've done, because I mean, in a way, I spent a lot of time doing, doing radio and yeah. DJing and running record labels. Before, you know, but you're part of the generation where the DJ also produces music, so in a way, you put a lot of your energy into making music, yeah, but I, I never really saw it as, as one thing, you know, I was making music during the week and then DJing in the weekend. Um, this is also kind of a weird thing because in the beginning you're like, you know, do I, do I have to make the music I play or, uh, you know, what's, what's my, uh, you know, who, who am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Question. yeah. Do you know who you are now as a uh, DJ? Have you found that? I think so. <laughs> but. Uh, 
I mean, you have to go through a phase where you have to realize that I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not from Chicago or Detroit, you know? I'm a, uh, well, I, I used to be skinny, but yeah. <laughs> skinny white kid from Amsterdam. Yeah. And uh, it's like, what do I actually uh, represent or do? And then you have to kind of accept who you are, I guess. Yeah. Well, the music that you make is really interesting because one of the projects I was going to ask you about is the project you do with Johnny Nash and uh, with Gigi Massine, which is called uh, Gaussian Curve, yeah. right? Tell us, because that, what's interesting about that project is going off of our psychology of DJ thing to a degree, but it's an ambient project. I saw you performing it live a couple of summers oh, yeah, ago yeah, yeah. at Obanyan, beautiful little place off Croatia, off the islands there. And, uh, and I thought, this is interesting because you've got this ambient legend from Italy, you've got an amazing sort of producer who's from the UK but living in Indonesia, and then you've got you who's known for your house sets, your world music sets and stuff, and you're making a kind of ambient music. Yeah. And um, so in a way, that's a real flip to what you would do as a club DJ, or do you feel, this is one thing I'm thinking, that audiences, club culture audiences around the world are becoming so sophisticated now that we're going to get to a stage before long where we're dancing to ambient music. Do you feel well, that you can... Well, that's true. I mean, I, I've... With Gossin Kerr, for instance, we, we uh, did a tour with Larry Heard in Australia. <coughs> and it was like, this is like 5,000 people or something, and people are just dancing to ambient music. I mean, this, this, it's not that different, it just lacks a kick. Really, uh, you know, everybody can count to four. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, there's a generation now which is a lot more open-minded and uh, it's more, uh, it's more in tune with with a lot of different kinds of music. It doesn't necessarily have to be dance music the way people think dance music is supposed to. And, and do you feel that? Um, this gives me so much hope as well, because of course I grew up um, when Acid House happened in, yeah. the, in 88, 87, 88, and I was doing a thing called Acid Jazz, which was basically the stuff that the Acid House guys weren't doing. But I was getting booked to do parties all over Europe, and they got confused about Acid Jazz and Acid House, so I'd end up going on after Jeff Mills type of DJs to 5,000 people in venues like this with like my crazy jazz records and so it became quite traumatic for me because I was suddenly seeing people leaving the dance floor rather than coming on the dance floor, right? So do you find that now, as you say, with the sort of the fact that people's tastes have grown and are more sophisticated, do you find that when you're preparing a set to play in a big venue, because you're doing a lot of the big festivals this yeah. summer, big you know, headline sets, how far out can you go? <clears throat> how far do you, can you take it away from the easy kind of, you know, one for all type of music, which we all know we can drop and I, succeed I, with. I mean, you can go as far as you want. If, <laughs> just, uh, just have to find out how, how, it, how it lands, you know? And Are you the, the whole thing about DJing is it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, kind of have to l learn how to cope with failure or expectations or, uh, um, and I've, I've gotten it down to quite a fine science now where I can like tease them or excruciate them to uh, just enough yeah. <laughs> and then take it back where, you know, people feel comfortable again and they keep teasing their kind of 
uh, yeah, comfort zone. Brilliant. Yeah, and, and that's what I think your job should be. As yeah. As, well, it's not, I'm not. I'm not trying to teach anything. That's what keeps it fun for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I also find that that actually some of those gigs where you turn up and it's like everybody's jumping up and it's a good sort of Instagram shot of everyone having a great time. Those ones are actually less satisfying at the end. The gigs where it went a bit weird, yeah. a few days later, I feel better about it. <laughs> Do you find that? Yeah, yeah, and there's also like, I mean, one of the, the best things to do if you, if you have a crowd that maybe disagrees with you, to kind of like part the ocean and kind of like, there's some, some boring techno DJ before you, and not that all techno is boring, but. Some of it is <laughs> to kind of like push push the the people you really don't want to play for, just kind of have them go get a beer and then have the people that are into it to the back, which is a very kind of like you know you know kind of a puppet playing the you know like uh, guys with tribal tattoos and stuff that kind of like slowly twinkling to to the back and then uh, having the like-minded people stay or something. Mm. So it's like clearing the room in the, in, in the right way. And then you can start again a bit. Yeah, you can start again, yeah. Start again and do your thing. Um, okay, talk to me about technology for you, because of course, you know, you're telling us that you were sort of making these video games, doing design, making music. Obviously, technology for you must be a big part. I mean, how does it play as, your, as a DJ? How do you use technology? Are you kind of old school and play vinyl, or do you...? Uh, well, I, I still exclusively buy records. Um, uh, I, I don't really buy files or anything. Uh, you don't so, buy files? No, because it's, it's too much choice. Like, like pretty much everything I do, I try to limit uh, the way I... Because there's just too much information and stuff going on, and it's just like your mind gets uh, overloaded with all this nonsense, and it's the same. Like, I once went to Beatport head office, I think, because was probably sitting over here, so should my words, but uh, <laughs> saying that there's a million or something tracks released every month. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, it's, yeah. and, but only like a small percentage sells, you know? So that I just, I, I can't even be bothered with getting into that, so I just process music the way I grew up processing music, as I just go in a record shop, buy some records, and I record it, and now I'm like remastering it and kind of uh, making it sound better than the actual. Because a lot of people are also like, like yeah, um, this cliche discussion of vinyl versus yeah. files. I mean, uh, it's a lot of like expensive records and stuff you buy, but they, they sound absolutely horrible. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I own quite a few. So you actually remaster the vinyls that you buy to make them sound really fat for the club and good for the club. Yeah, well, not even for a club, just yeah. just. Those. Just right, just good. Because yeah. you, you have you have to deal with like bad pressings and stuff. You yeah. know, if you, like old Chicago house records, they sound horrible because um, it's like recycled vinyl and stuff. Right. So even but then people are like, oh no, it's, like, you have to just play play vinyl and it's, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's the first time I've heard that. It's a great answer because I think that um, I mean that's again where we differ a little bit because I'm on the radio. So being on the radio, I have a, I feel a responsibility to listen to this, to a small part of those million records that are made every week. So, I, my inbox is just flooded with stuff. 
Yeah. And it's, it's hardcore. You never reply. And I never reply. And I'll play, you know, and so I'll, I'll, I'll go from like, you know, maybe 500 songs a week to 50. You know, I won't listen to more than 500, I don't think. I hate those like hip hop mixtapes because you get 30 tracks. You know, it's like, oh God, find the tune. But with you, what's really interesting is that you go to the old, you go to the record shop. The record shop is your kind of curator in a way. So the record yeah. shop's a really important taste sort of channel for you like yeah yeah totally and which shop do you go to have you got your favorite places um well i mean quite lucky to have some really amazing shops in amsterdam like uh like rush hour red light vintage voodoo and there's loads of secondhand shops yeah but uh, now i've been traveling for quite a few years um no i i know my spots in japan and uh, yeah. you know, there's like private dealers and stuff and it's you know, it's like a candy box. You just take, take I mean, stuff out, and I'm not not that pressured. Also, by I have to have all yeah. all the records. Yeah. You know, I kind of let it come to me. These have days. you got a favorite record dealer guy who knows Marco's taste? So you go in there, and he'll go, yeah, yeah. I've got. You don't need to waste three hours here. I've got the six really brilliant. Well, bits. yeah, at Red Light Records, I have like a little private stack. You have a little stack. They'll, they'll stick stuff in there for yeah. me. You know, in in Tokyo, there's a guy called Dubby. You know, and, uh, you know, he, he knows what I like, and there's like there's a few of those. Like, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's also you have, don't have to pressure yourself too much about about because I know loads, loads of people that are into rare music, but they they they've never listened to a full David Bowie album, <laughs> which yeah. is quite funny to me because yeah. they have like. No, I once played uh, no, these guys that are into like really rare ambient music, and I played them Moss Garden or something, Bowie, uh, Eno thing, and they're like, wow, this is amazing, what is this? And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to buy it for a couple bucks in every shop. <laughs> yeah, that's great, yeah, I love that. Um, actually, can we just talk a bit about Amsterdam and, and, and the Netherlands, because that's where we are at the moment, and I mean, what is it that's making a place like, which is population-wise quite small, have so many amazing DJs, and not only sort of TJs of my kind of taste, but also this history of kind of electronic festivals. I mean, they have festivals in here, right? This is a yeah, yeah, I played play there. Uh, you played two, in this room? Two years ago, I think, over there. Yeah, was the sound better then than people. it is today? <laughs> what? How was the sound? <laughs> well, it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> but but it was what is funny it enough, like, I, I used to play another club down the road where I, I used to do my own parties. Uh, there, was, there was like 20 people, the same 20 people every party. Um, and was still playing the same music, and then a couple of years later, I played here for like 5,000 people or whatever. So what is it about Amsterdam and the Netherlands that makes it sort of breed so many great DJs, record shops, the music culture so strong, do you think? Um, well, I think Dutch people are very open to kind of take in other cultures, and um, in a way, Dutch people kind of have like an identity crisis maybe, so they're always trying to take the best bits out of bits without claiming it, you know? Um, so there's like quite a strong connection with Detroit and, and Amsterdam and, 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 you know, at Rush Hour we used to do uh, a lot of like, uh, started doing like a lot of those comps, which, um, so it's, that the whole open-minded thing, that we kind of had a head start in Amsterdam, I think, which I now make a living of. Yeah, and when you travel around the world, do you feel that 
Um, do you feel Dutch? Do you feel like you're like an ambassador for the culture here, for the scene here, and, you're, and so you go to these places, and then you kind of bring their music back and introduce it to your audiences here, or do you feel any kind of sense, or do you just feel like you're just a global traveler? Uh, no, I don't feel particularly Dutch. I mean, sometimes I have a strong desire for cheese in a country that <laughs> doesn't sell cheese. But yeah. That's about as Dutch as I get. So let's take it back to technology a little bit. And so, um, so yeah, so we, we know how you play your records and your music. What about um, how do you feel technology is going to affect the DJ world in the future? Do you think that? Well, the one good thing is that people aren't um, that channeled anymore. So people, people can make up their own minds now. Like it used, it used to be you know, radio and MTV, and it was very, uh, very categorized. Like, I'm into this because I listen to that radio station. And now people can like, form their own opinions a bit more. And you see that a lot with, like, uh, What's this generation called? The, the noughties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're, they're less, like, I, I grew up on MTV and stuff, so, you know, I listened to Nirvana and whatever, what was on when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, but still, I had my little secret life, but, which is partly due to internet, but it was on bulletin boards and stuff, like trading stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think it's easier to form your own musical identity through the internet. But there's also a lot of downsides, which is, you know, too much exposure to a lot of stuff, and, uh, and people get really um, caught up in wanting to know what something is instead of kind of just appreciating something for what it is. Uh, so we mean that. Just people holding up their phones, shazamming stuff is. Do you allow? Do you allow phones in the club? Are you one of those? Well, if I, phones are banned, guys. If I, if I owned a club, I, I might think, might think about banning them. But if you own a club, you ban the phone. Yeah, I think it will help. But, um, I mean. Because it's a horrible thing being on your phone if you're trying to seek out this transformative experience, which is your ultimate goal. As you know, uh, if you're DJing, you know, yeah. and then everybody's just on their phone. Or he's a. Did you just give us the timing? Yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, see it. Either thumbs up or thumbs what down. What did he say? <laughs> so like, wrap it up. Oh, wrap it up. <laughs> um, so. Loving it, loving the DJing. Is that still like? Can you can you let go of it? Can you let go of, of, of it? You don't need to do it, or do you need to do it in your sort of, is it? I think I don't, but then if I don't do it for two weeks, I, I'm disappointed by the fact that I want to do it, so. Yeah, I know. It's hard to let it go. <laughs> and um, you've got gigs upon gigs this summer. If, if anybody's a DJ is just, and knows the sort of circuit, you'll do it. You're not doing Ibiza, I noticed. You're not doing Ibiza, right? No, that's, that's yeah. I have a kind of you a have a love and hate relationship. relationship. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same with you, but on that, but I'm go, I'm about to go back to. But anyway, anybody who who, um, who 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 follows the DJ thing, you you you're doing the best gigs this summer. Which one are you looking forward to the most? I'm quite looking forward to Field Day next week with you, Giles. That'd be good. <laughs> that's a good way to end it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Dan. <clears throat> Thank you.